Welcome to Protect, suicide prevention training podcast for healthcare professionals. I'm Manan, consultant psychiatrist, founder, and head of faculty at Progress Guide. Good day. I'm Mahi, your host. This is episode nine, part two of Empathy in Action, the final chapter in the core module. In episode eight, we talked about the key mindset shift, which lies at the foundation of relational safety, a shift from top to tap. Manan, will you please remind our listeners about what this shift is from top to tap? Top to tap is a key mindset shift. Traditionally, professionals have been at the top. The professional is the seat of all knowledge and expertise and has the responsibility to fix the problem, namely the person in suicidal distress. TAP refers to a true partnership where the professional's expertise is matched by the person's lived experience and both work together towards safety and recovery. This shift from TOP to TAP underlies the practice change from a deficits focus to a recovery-oriented, assets-based practice. Working from the TOP, the professional attempts to establish What's the matter with you? In terms of practice change to that of being on tap, the professional attempts to establish what matters to you. That is often at the seat of the psychological pain as well as hope for the future. You also used quite a catchy phrase, paperwork for proper work. Can you put that into context of empathy in action? Each of the core chapters examines a delicate balancing act. Empathy in action explores form versus function. The word form can be interpreted as the structure or the process that is followed in an assessment or a treatment session or even quite literally as the forms that are filled in as part of risk screening or triage or monitoring. Often the interaction degenerates into a mechanistic exercise of form filling that meets the professional's need to gather data but does not meet the person's need to be heard and for their pain to be validated. In such a situation, form filling has got in the way of one of the key functions of the interaction to build relational safety. But isn't paperwork important too? Because time and time again, we hear that if it is not documented, it has not been done. Paperwork is important. But if it gets in the way of proper work, the empathic connection that needs to be established to bolster safety, something has to change. A good rule of the thumb is to check how long one is spending with the person and how long one is on a computer doing the paperwork. If the latter is more than the former, then in all probability, the professional is focused more on form filling than the function the form was meant to serve in terms of guiding an empathic conversation, not a Spanish Inquisition. We will have in-depth discussions regarding this in the assess module. For the time being, remember why we want the mindset shift from top to tap, to create relational safety, and we should not let forms or paperwork get in the way of the function of proper work, a genuine human connection. You can find more details of the three modules of Protect, Core, Assess and Aspire at www.progress.guide. 
There are video courses on the website. The transcripts and media are available on the blog or in the Protect Guidebook, which is available on Amazon. Remember to follow the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Today, we are going to dive deeper into mindsets and explore the values that lie at the foundation of empathy in action. Menon, let's begin. What are values? There are many definitions of values, but the one that I like the most is from acceptance and commitment therapy and is used by Russ Harris. Values embody the qualities we want to bring to our actions. The qualities we want to bring to our actions? Yes, it is the being that precedes the doing. Clearly, in empathy and action, the term action relates to the doing. Where do the values fit in? Our listeners will remember in Optimize Pain Relief, we describe the interest and need for pain relief that underlies the suicidal position. For the pain relief dialogue to be valid, the professional has to dive deep and see the world from the person's point of view. This attempt to walk in the person's shoes is what we describe as empathy in action. There is a strong temptation to take control, maybe even engage in a power struggle, act from the top. But to allay that temptation and just to be present, truly present, and walk alongside the person is a values-guided action. The concept does seem quite abstract. It may be easier to understand if you mention the values that are involved. Yes, it is a bit abstract. So let's spin the values down. Constructing relational safety in the moment is a process that is embedded in five core values. Courage. Courage to be present and suspend the desire to help. Curiosity. Curiosity in taking the time to listen and recognizing reasons and emotions. Compassion. Compassion in sharing the person's darkness without judgment. Commitment. Commitment to reframe suicidal thoughts and acts as a desire to be pain-free. And finally, collaboration. Collaboration to co-produce the journey ahead based on mutual respect. Courage, curiosity, compassion, commitment, and collaboration, the five values of relational safety. I can see how these values can help us enact the learnings from the second chapter of the core module, Optimize Pain Relief. That is spot on. You will remember me highlighting that when working with a person in suicidal distress, it is imperative that clinicians do not expect automatic compliance or compromise in the death orientation. This exposes a mindset of what's the matter with you, and whatever it is, I will fix you. Instead of trying to pull patients over to the professional's worldview, a genuine attempt has to be made to role model the values of relational safety. The goal is to establish what matters to the person, as in it lies the clues to pain relief. Professionals have to be ready to journey a while, navigating inclement weather and emerging storms while continuously drawing on the lived expertise of the person. This value set will help them shift from being on top to being on tap. It sounds to me that the values are a way for the professional to role model or that they want the person in distress to enact or do. 
the professional's role modeling, or in other words, the being, supports the doing by the person. Courage to share and feel the person's darkness will often be reciprocated with the courage to tolerate the pain longer. The person in suicidal distress wants to escape entrapment and is crying out to be psychologically pain-free. Genuine curiosity to understand and acknowledge the position of death in terms of their interests and needs will engender curiosity about alternatives to suicide. When the professional follows this up by framing actions contemplated or taken with true compassion as pain-guided desperate measures, they lay the foundation for self-compassion in the person and values-guided committed actions. Commitment to take time, suspend judgment, and even the desire to help and just be present will often result in a commitment to therapeutic options. In our clinical practice, we have found that spending time, sometimes in supportive silence, is a prerequisite to successfully communicating that the professional has an emerging sense of why death feels better than a life of pain. This gift of time often buys time for a trial of treatment or at a later stage for treatment to take effect. These values, when enacted, set up the stage for a collaborative venture, one in which a safe journey with practical solutions is co-produced. The values underpin the proposal to optimize pain relief. Courage, curiosity, compassion, commitment, and collaboration validates the pain. Yes, validates the pain and calms the agitated, suicidal mind long enough for a conversation about alternative solutions. Relational safety attempts to construct the eye of the storm, just a long enough calm for the person to realize they now have a navigator by their side to support them for the rest of the storm. The navigator has the same destination in mind, to be pain-free, just that the alternative path is a bit slower and longer. In the next episode, we will spend more time on each of these five values. But let's begin to internalize these values by going over what you just said. The concept of values in the professional, being mirrored in the actions of the person in distress, is a tricky one to grasp. So number one, courage. Be present. Courage to share and feel the person's darkness will often be reciprocated with the courage to tolerate the psychological pain longer. Suspend the desire to jump in and help and just be present. Remember, being trumps doing. Number two, curiosity. Listen with fascination. Curiosity to understand and acknowledge the position of death in terms of the person's desire to be pain-free will engender curiosity about alternatives to suicide. Suspend all judgment and take time to listen with full attention. Number three, compassion. Your pain in my heart. When the professional follows up their curiosity with a reframe of actions contemplated or taken with true compassion as pain-guided desperate measures, they lay the foundation for self-compassion in the person. Number four, commitment. Promise of recovery. Commitment to take time, suspend judgment, and just being present will often result in a commitment to therapeutic options. 
through gentle persuasion and the promise of recovery. Help the person see that recovery is a reality. Things will get better and soon. Number five, collaboration. Partner up. Enacting these values will set up a collaborative venture, one in which a safe, empowering journey is co-produced. A partnership based on mutual respect quells power struggles and helps a person in distress realize that the goal to be pain-free is shared. If this still feels abstract, do not worry. As mentioned earlier in the next episode, we'll spend time looking at each of these values in detail and how they translate into everyday clinical practice. For the time being, Manan, can you provide an initial link between the values and actions? Living the values constructs empathy in action. There are three specific components. Cognitive empathy. I think I've gained a sense of how you're thinking. So, your thoughts in my mind. Emotional empathy. I feel what you're going through. Your pain in my heart. And finally, empathic concern. The genuine desire to help someone in their hour of distress. What the values help us do is to create this multifaceted understanding of the person in distress. The attempt to understand and connect at this level provides a safety scaffolding far stronger than any form-filling exercise one can engage in. Knowing that a fellow human being gets how I'm thinking, feeling and has a genuine desire to help is healing in its own right. I know in the Protect Guidebook, you write about values-guided committed actions. Can you tell us more about the specific actions which convey cognitive empathy, emotional empathy, and empathic concern? In Collaborative Assessment and Management of Suicidality, Jobs recommends certain helpful messages from the professional. These have been organized in line with values of relational safety into a sequence of five key actions. Reassure, reaffirm, reframe, refocus, and rediscover. This is what is now renowned as the pain relief dialogue. The sequence of actions is centered on messages aimed at gaining engagement in the assessment process. If the person feels understood in the context of pain and the desire to be pain-free, they will be more open and candid in the conversation relating to how close they have come to the precipice of death. And if they are open in the assessment, that will then inform crisis navigation using tools like the Care Compass? Yes, the professional, the person in distress, their family can all participate as equal partners to balance risk and recovery, care and control. Developing confidence in living the values of relational safety in clinical practice takes time and patience. The learning pit may prove challenging as showing courage and being present in the person's darkness is not easy. Tell us more about the pain relief dialogue. It is actually written as a monologue, but does make way for a lot of dialogue. We have constructed the pain relief script using the five actions that I mentioned. It makes clinical practice more tangible. Although the values underlie the actions, we believe it is easier to bring progress to practice through the actions, i.e. learn to take actions that reflect the values. 
Is the hope that in time, the words and the values they reflect become second nature? Yes, the script takes less than a minute. So it can be said in every assessment. Repeatedly practicing it in the clinical setting will not only advance learning, but will provide the foundation of relational safety for the journey ahead. To recap, the five actions are reassure, reaffirm, reframe, refocus, rediscover. Can we go through each one of them? I will read the bylines from the book. The first action is reassure the good idea. Reassure it was a good idea to seek help. Assessments can be arduous and bring to the surface painful emotions. A simple reassurance goes a long way to allay anxiety and engage the person in recounting their narrative. Reaffirm the profound pain. Reaffirm the profound emotional suffering and intense pain. Empathic validation creates an atmosphere of openness and candor and protects against people withholding their true suicidal intent. Reframe it as an understandable response. Reframe suicide as an understandable response to the magnitude of the pain. Normalizing suicidality in the context of overwhelming life circumstances can help work out what is it that truly matters to them. Refocus the assessment as one of pain. Refocus the assessment and management dialogue as an attempt to understand and mitigate their pain and suffering. From an engagement point of view, this is a far better approach. Diagnostic clarification will occur in time. Rediscover what matters. Rediscover with the person what matters to them, so that together a cause for pain relief can be charted. From what is the matter with you to what matters to you is a critical mindset shift to establish deep empathy. In your face-to-face training, you run a speed dating session where students say the words to different participants 10 times. It's one of the most cited activity in terms of what students retain and the one commitment they make to practice change. Well, practice makes perfect. The words to begin with feel awkward because people are not used to saying such things. And even if they do, they don't do so in a structured fashion. But by the fifth or the sixth time, they develop a degree of fluency. We recommend in the early days to stick to the words. As they get confident, they can innovate and change things around. Okay, that's enough of a build-up. Time to hear the words in the pain relief dialogue. Talking about this is very difficult. It brings all the pain to the surface. But it was a good idea to seek help. Doing this by yourself is incredibly difficult. I am not in your shoes, but I can see your profound pain. Hopefully, working together will make it a little bit easier. It does take courage to keep up the fight. Who wouldn't have the desire to try and free themselves of the pain? It is an understandable response to what you're going through. I am hopeful that by working together, we can both gain a full and thorough understanding of your emotional pain. In my experience, what matters to you will be at the source of the pain. If I can get a sense of that, we can begin to chip away at it or improve your tolerance to it. Together, we will rediscover hope. The words are beautiful and they end with an explicit promise of recovery. In training sessions, you often say that these 40 seconds 
is the most impactful gift of words you can give to a person in suicidal distress. Yes, the words have been tried and tested. In the guidebook, the pain relief dialogue is on page 42. You can easily see which of the five actions reassure, reaffirm, refrain, refocus and rediscover relate to which phrase or which sentence. It is okay to change the words and adapt it to your clinical practice. Contextualize it to your culture, your setting. But we do recommend not to miss the keywords, the words which are there in bold on page 42. This brings us to the end of episode 9, part 2 of Empathy in Action. In the next episode, part 3 of Empathy in Action, we will consider each of these five values: courage, curiosity, compassion, collaboration, and commitment in detail. We will attempt to translate the values further into actions and practice change, bringing to life relational safety. You can access all the information at www.progress.guide. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can connect with Manan on LinkedIn or follow our LinkedIn page by searching on LinkedIn for progress.guide. You can email us at admin@progress.guide. We are also on Twitter and YouTube. As usual, please do follow the podcast. There'll be weekly episodes every Friday and share it with your colleagues. Today, you've learned about the equation of empathy in action, which equates to cognitive empathy plus emotional empathy plus empathic concern. We've introduced you to the values of empathy in action and provided the words of the pain relief dialogue, providing healthcare professionals contemporary knowledge about how to connect and create relational safety. is crucial in suicide prevention remember together we can and we will rediscover hope you can be a hope factor and spread this knowledge at your work thank you for joining us today and keep translating empathy into tangible action